This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Week 12 NFL Friday. Best time of the week. I got my guys with me, Devin Clemente, Chris Hennessy. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Nick DeLuca is going to join us for some fantasy advice likely, Hello, Jimmy. pertaining to the Buffalo Bills. How are you guys doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you? That's good. I'm happy to hear that. Doing very well. Excited to talk some football. The Jets are on a winning streak. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. That they are. Well, they stink. So we'll, get into okay. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Hey, uh, <laughs> when you blow out the bad teams, that's what you're supposed to do. At least for one week, they looked okay. You know, if they win this week, they could be 6-7. and seven. It's true. I mean, you don't want to assume wins, but eh. <laughs> we'll get awesome. into that later. Um, we do first have to get into Thursday Night Football last night. Colts taking on the Texans in a matchup for first place in the AFC South. Texans win this one 20-17. Not the most exciting game ever. Indianapolis goes for it on a fourth down with three minutes to go. They don't get it, and they don't get the ball back. Uh, It was a questionable call on a fumble at the end of that game, but that's not really terribly important. Deshaun Watson almost 300 yards through the air, two touchdowns. He also did throw a pick in that one. The Colts just couldn't get anything going offensively. Despite 175 rushing yards, Jacoby Brissett, 16 of 25 for 129 yards, a staggering 5.2 yards per attempt. That's almost hard to do. Guys, I wanted to get your thoughts on this game first. Mm-hmm. A big win for the Houston Texans. They moved to 7-4 and four, and also first place in the AFC South. They're trying to win that division again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Texans, I think, are a really fascinating team because they certainly have one of the best players in all of football in Deshaun Watson, one of the most exciting players and most likable players. They have probably the best wide receiver in the entire NFL in DeAndre Hopkins, the best hands, certainly. And overall, they have a pretty nice offense as, as a whole. But on the defensive side, losing Watt for the year, trading away Clowney before the season. They had a tremendous amount of turnover in that secondary. I'm not sure what the potential is for this team because there are so many glaring holes outside of those two superstars. I, I thought it was great, by the way, last night with DeAndre Hopkins giving both the touchdown yeah, balls to his that was awesome. That um, was awesome. By the way, if you get the chance to read the story, I think it was on ESPN. It was about a month ago or two months ago about DeAndre Hopkins and his mom. Please do so. But anyway, I thought that was, mm-hmm. I thought that was really nice. Uh, he caught both of the touchdowns for the Texans last night. Uh, just for the record, you said DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the league. He absolutely is. I'll take Michael Thomas over DeAndre Hopkins, but that's 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 picking hairs. I mean, he is he's right up there. He had a great game again last night. You looked at the Texans last year, and it was their offensive line. Their offensive line struggled. Watson got sacked pretty much every time he dropped back, it seemed like. Even against teams like the Jets when they came up here in December, the Jets' defensive line dominated them. They get Laramie Tunsil. Their offense looks dynamic in the passing game. Their running game struggled last night. It's been good. That Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, running back tandem, I kind of want to see a little bit more out of them, maybe even in the passing game. But overall, their offense looks good, but Devin's right. The injuries are going to kill them defensively. They're down to, like, I don't even know how many cornerbacks at this point. They're they're signing guys off the street. Jonathan Joseph is their number one secondary player at this point. He's 35 years old. That, OG. that is not going to be great come playoff time when they're going to have to play tough teams. They're going to have a tough matchup next week against the Patriots. I think that's going to be huge for them. Because you look at their schedule, the only tough team they've played recently is the Ravens, and they got crushed 41-7. to So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from that now with the division lead once again against the Patriots. This one's at home, too. So I think that next week is huge for the Texans Sunday Night Football home against the Patriots because if they want to, you know, obviously they want to win the AFC. If they want to do that, that's going to have to go through New England. I think it's also funny to remember and to think about that the Texans fired their general manager in June. Yeah. And, and it's one of those, file this one under, you think the Jets are stupid. Because the Jets well, were smart enough to fire the general manager in May and not June. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. And then replace him. And then replace him. Yeah. And the Texans went through all that. And, I mean, nobody knows quite who's in charge over there. And they're going to screw around. They might win the division. And after all that, they're 7-4. and four. Um, they deserve a ton of credit for that. I had them out of the playoffs. I didn't think they were making it. Uh, even after the Andrew Luck retirement, I had Jacksonville winning the division. Probably not a great move. And then I had Indianapolis getting that wild card spot. Still think Indianapolis can be a playoff team, but last night showed some concerns, especially the fact that they just got nothing going offensively with Jacoby Brissett in that passing game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what so many people were lauding Jacoby Brissett, in, including myself, as you know, not that steep of a drop-off from Andrew Luck. But it's become really evident, I think, over the past few weeks that 
it is a pretty steep drop-off. Andrew Luck was the type of MVP player, a guy that could be the best player in football any given week. We're not seeing that from Jacoby Brissett. And when you have the best offensive line in football in front of you, when you have Jonathan Williams, who's putting up two weeks in a row, 100-plus yards on the ground because that offensive line is so good, you got to do better than 16 for 25 and 129 yards passing. you got to do better than that, especially against the defense that we were just saying before, is really battered. This was a defense that was vulnerable to them, and he couldn't do anything against them. You got to be able to put up more than 17 points, and you got to win that game. And by the way, he had plenty of time to throw. Great offensive line for plenty. the Colts. He only got sacked one time. Offensive line, and this puts them in the throes of a, of a deep, deep wild card race. You look at the Bills are seven and three. The Raiders are six and four. The Steelers are five and five. Mm-hmm. Now you got the Colts at six and five, and the Titans are five and five. So if the Titans win, now they're tied for second place with them. The Steelers are playing the Bengals this week. We can assume their win. Now they're at six and five. The Bills, I don't want to say they have one locked up because the person sitting to my left is a psychopath about the Bills. <laughs> so I'm not gonna say that in his presence. But it looks like they have that one locked up at seven and three. And the Raiders are six and four. They're ahead of the Colts right now. And the so Raiders now, have the Jets. And the Raiders have the Jets, so maybe that puts them at seven and four. I will say this about the Colts. Out of all those other teams that you mentioned in the hunt, including the Bills, including the Jaguars, including the Raiders, I do think that the Colts are the most well-rounded team. That that, I, that entire Brissette, roster. Brissette can only take them so far. But that entire roster is so deep. Like, like to me, they're actually kind of the opposite of the Texans in that I think Watson is such a superstar and so good that he could take that team pretty far. I don't think Brissett needs to take that team very far. They have such a good offensive line, such a good defense, one of the best coaching staffs in all of football. I think that this team just is so deep all around that they can go far and that they can get that second wild card spot. It's just Jacoby Brissett being their quarterback really limits their potential in my I, opinion. I, I, Jacoby Brissett absolutely limits their potential. I would love to see this team with Andrew Luck at the helm or really any top-tier quarterback because I think they could be something really special. They could. But to me, <laughs> they Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett is not good enough to get you in the playoffs. And I, just not. I think the irony in that is that statement is a testament to how far the Colts have come organizationally, mm-hmm. right? They've got a great offensive line. Their running game is awesome. They ran for almost 200 yards last night without great, Marlon Mack. Very well coached. Extremely well coached. Frank Reich's one of the best coaches in the league. And the irony in that is part of why I think Andrew Luck retired was hit after hit that yep. he took in the beginning of his career behind a terrible offensive line, and he was dragging those teams to the playoffs every single year. And now the Colts are in a much better spot, and Luck says, okay, I'm done. And you go to Jacoby Brissett, and I'm a big Jacoby Brissett fan, mm-hmm. by the way. I, You said, Devin, you were lauding Jacoby Brissett. I was right there with you. Um, but we saw it last night where the warts are and where he can be exposed. They got nothing going downfield. I mean, sooner or later, you have to make a big play, right? And Deshaun Watson's kind of been almost the king of that in the NFL this year, of just uh, hitting huge passes mm-hmm. downfield. And, you know, he hit a couple last night to Hopkins. So, I mean, I think that's the difference right now. The Colts are kind of, they're going to pound you, and it's hard for them to come from behind in games, which is, I think, what we've seen too. And that's going to be a problem for them the rest of the year. I think they still... My gut still says they make the playoffs. Um, I'm not sold on the Raiders. Um, the Texans, I think they can catch up to them. It's only one game. So, look, I mean, they've got a chance to go to the playoffs here, but even when they get there, they're going to have a hard time, whether mm-hmm. they're playing the Chiefs or the Ravens or whoever else it could be in that first round, of making explosive plays because the teams going up against them are going to be able to do that, and the Colts just don't have that capability right now. To, I, go, go ahead, go ahead. To me, a key difference was... DeAndre Hopkins against T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Mm-hmm. Hilton dropped a couple balls late in the game where it could have been a first down. DeAndre Hopkins, as we've mentioned, was fantastic last night. He's been fantastic all season. T.Y. Hilton's not that guy. Uh, you look at you mentioned the Colts of previous years, Jimmy. I'm going to go previous years to that. He's not Reggie Wayne. He's not Marvin Harrison. No. He's not as good as these guys were. And honestly, Jacoby Brissett doesn't have weapons as good as Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, or Dallas Clark. He doesn't. He's not even close. And I think, yeah, Jacoby Brissett struggled, but when T.Y. Hilton struggles, this whole offense is going to struggle because he's really their number one off- option offensively, especially in the passing game. Yeah, and I mean, I, T.Y. Hilton is still one of the top wide receivers in the game. He's not at that elite level. He's not, you know, Michael Thomas. He's not DeAndre Hopkins, but he is still good enough. I think yesterday was you were kind of seeing a guy that wasn't fully healthy trying to push it for his team. I think that was the issue. But the last offensive play for the Colts, I think, was really kind of a microcosm of what's gone on this season because it was fourth and seven-ish. Jacoby Brissett had, it felt like, 10 seconds behind that offensive line looking for somebody to get open downfield and then tried to to get pick up that seven yards. He falls up. He falls about a yard short, but everything around him was so well protected. The team is so good around him, and yet 
it's just they're just it feels like they come up just a few yards short every single week and I I think that that's kind of how their season's gone well it's actually funny when you think about it and I loved the call by Frank Reich to go for it at that spot absolutely you've got all three timeouts they burned one which was stupid but that's another that's another Mm -hmm. story um you're at midfield their defense didn't get a stop anyway which I think kind of validates it but when you look back and think about it, they had a game last year against the Texans at home. I think it was yep. like week three yeah, or week right. four. They went for it in overtime. And they right? went for it in overtime, and they were back at like their own 30 or 40, and they lost that game. The Texans finished 11-5. and five, The Colts finished 10-6. and six. And that's the microcosm that you're talking about, right? Two, three yards short, kind of. Um, and that's kind of where the Colts are right now. I still think they're a good team. I still think they could be a playoff caliber team. But I think we saw kind of their issues last night all right we'll move over from playoff teams to not playoff teams coming up next we're going to talk some jets talk some giants that's always fun but first our first fantasy hit of this podcast comes from nick deluca who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup so let's go to the quarterback position. The start of the week is Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons. Not some, not so great the last couple of weeks, but you have to love this matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That defense has surrendered four straight top ten quarterback performances. Position has averaged at a quarterback rating of over 102, and they've seen the position get 23 fantasy points per game against this Buccaneers defense this season. Matt Ryan, a good bet this weekend. How about Jalen Samuels versus the Cincinnati Bengals? James Conner is out, a must start against the terrible Bengals defense. They've allowed 12 touchdowns and the fifth most fantasy points to running backs this year, so Jalen Samuels a start. And then at the wide receiver position, Allen Robinson. Tough matchup last weekend against Jalen Ramsey. This time a much more favorable matchup against the Giants defense. 131 yards per game and nine touchdown catches to receivers lined out wide. Look for Allen Robinson to have a big game against Big Blue. All right, Nick, thank you very much. I just want to get this out in the open before we do our Jets segment. Uh, I'm trying to win a fantasy matchup this week, and my running backs, are you ready for this? It's a 12-team league. Jordan Howard, who is questionable, and Bo Scarborough, RB1, like RB2. the guy from Auburn? Yeah, no, Alabama. Alabama, yeah. that's right. Yeah, he's starting for the Lions. His name is Bo, yeah. not Bo Jackson. He went to Alabama, that's right. Yeah. He's on the Lions now? Yes, yeah. sir. Can Team Sullivan win with those running backs? Stay tuned. (laughs) We'll come back next week with an update on that. First, though, we got to get into some Jets talk right now. For the first time all season, the Jets were victorious in a game that they were supposed to win. In what was the team's most dominating performance of the year, the Jets secured their first road win against the lowly Washington Redskins, 34-17. Sam Darnold had a career day, throwing four touchdowns for almost 300 yards and had a passer rating of 121.3. Jamal Adams also continued his stellar play, sacking Dwayne Haskins three times and added one more solo tackle. With the team's record now at 3-7 and and the playoffs still a possibility, according to the players, Darnold says his focus remains the same heading into this week's home game against Oakland. We're looking at this as just, you know, the next game. You know, we're taking it one week at a time, and right now we're preparing to play the Raiders, and that's really our mindset. Sunday's contest against potential Coach of the Year candidate John Gruden won't be easy. Even though the Raiders are 1-3 and three on the road, they're on a three-game winning streak and sit only one game back of the Chiefs for the AFC West division crown. Both teams are clamoring for wins and should come out of the gate with a lot of energy. Every game is a must-win here on out for New York, and I believe they have what it takes. Give me the Jets 24-14 in what will be a hard-fought defensive showdown at the Meadowlands. It's sink or swim time for the Jets, and it's up to them to keep the momentum going and potentially resurrect their 2019 campaign. Covering the... I'm Charlie Misano, WFUV Sports. All right, that was our guy, Charlie Maisano, our Jets beat reporter covering the Jets this year. He's got back-to-back wins now over the Giants and Redskins. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. The Jets only come to play against the NFC East. Right, so the best team in the NFC East. Yeah, they are the best. <laughs> well, that's debatable. But, yeah, <laughs> um, the Jets have gotten all three of their wins now, Cowboys, Giants, and Redskins, against 
that NFC East. Uh, the problem is they don't have any games left against the NFC East. They already played the Eagles, so that's out the window. Um, so I don't know where the Jets are going to get their wins from the rest of the year, honestly. But the they are 3-7. and seven. They've got the Raiders this week in... If you think the Jets are still uh, contending for the playoffs, what becomes kind of a big game because after they play Oakland, they've got the Bengals and then the Dolphins. Bengals are on the road. Dolphins are at home. So you're looking ahead now at the possibility. I don't want to say it's a probability, but a possibility that the Jets could be 6-7 and seven going into a showdown on Thursday night, December 12th, against the Baltimore Ravens. Guys, I'll get your thoughts on this. Jets at 3-7. and seven. Uh, Most people have counted them out of the playoffs. Any legitimate shot for them whatsoever to make it? Yeah, of course you have a shot. I mean, in football, you always have a shot any given Sunday, right? Now, they had some games earlier in the season that they should have won that would have put them in a better shot. If you win that game against Miami, for example, or if you win week one against the Bills when you're up 17 nothing in, in the second half, you got to win those. All of a sudden, they're looking a lot better right now. They're 5-5. Five and five. But listen, they absolutely have a chance. I think that the Raiders game, especially at home, is a game that's very winnable. Then you got the Bengals and Dolphins, and you finish up with the Steelers and Bills, who I also th- which I also think are winnable games. The Ravens game is going to be extremely difficult, but we'll see what happens. They absolutely have a shot. Ravens might be the best team in football right now, by the way, the way they're playing. I mean, they are they're beating very up good. on people. They're very good. Um, if the Jets, if the you know teams can find a way to stop Lamar Jackson, I think that changes things. But so far, they haven't been able to. But then again, that's going to be a problem for the Jets a couple weeks from now, right. and they got to get three wins before then mm-hmm. if they want to have any legitimate shot at the playoffs. Right. We're talking about the Raiders, and I don't see them being the Raiders. I mean, we'll get to picks later, but the Jets aren't good at football. They beat two terrible teams the last two weeks. The Redskins might be the worst team I've ever watched play football. Wow. They are so bad. You were alive for two winless teams, and you still say that. <laughs> they are awful. The fact that they beat the Dol- they beat the Dolphins, they, they're so bad. And just their offensive line was not good. They're, the Redskins are bad. The, the Giants game, Jamal Adams literally single-handedly won that game, quite literally with one hand, took the ball away from D- Daniel Jones and walked it into the end zone for the game for well, was it the game-winning touchdown? No, it was right at the beginning of the second half. But they won by one touchdown. I, I don't think they're going to beat the Raiders. This, they're not a good team. And this is the story of the Jets. They're going to they're gonna show you a game of hope. They're going to get out there. They're going to win a game against the Giants. They're going to win a game against the Redskins just to give the fans enough hope, just to give them enough wins to get the sixth overall pick for the 18th consecutive year. And then do it all again next year. And then, yeah, And by the way, the position they're at right now, they probably miss out on Chase Young. Probably, oh, almost is, certainly. A, a real consideration. I mean, he's, gonna, he's probably going to be the second overall pick. Yeah. Behind so, whoever's at one now, which would probably be Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Right. So th- the Bengals will draft a quarterback, whether that's Burrow, whether that's Fromm, whether that's Herbert or Tua. And then who doesn't need a quarterback that's up there? Because I mean, the Redskins aren't going to draft The Redskins aren't going to draft a quarterback. There doesn't mean so, they don't need one. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mean they don't need one, but they're not going to draft one. So there you go. There's Chase Young right there to the Redskins. But yeah, it, look, it's. I don't hate that the Jets are winning. That's not what I'm saying, but just I don't. I I'm not feeling the hope anymore. I like I I think I've gone through it so many times. I don't have the feeling the hope that they're now all of a sudden like resurging and and a good team now. They're still a bad team. They're it's the same team that got crushed by the Dolphins. They're the same team that lost, that had that embarrassing loss to the Jaguars. They're still the Jets to me. I yeah, I, I will say this. I think that. In, despite the fact that I do b- believe in Sam Darnold, I think he's going to be a talented quarterback. Despite the fact that Jamal Adams has really quietly emerged as one of the best all-around defensive players in all of football, they, I think that the injuries are really piling up to a point where it's starting to feel a little bit insurmountable. So yes, I think they have a shot, but pretty much everyone on that offensive line has is gone or has been gone at some point this season. C.J. Mosley, it looks like, is going to be out for the entire season. I forget, Avery it, Williamson was supposed to be on this yeah. linebacker. Avery Corey Williamson tore his ACL. They, it's, there have been so many injuries. Quincy Anunua, there have been so many injuries throughout this year. I don't think Le'Veon's fully healthy that it's starting to feel a little bit insurmountable. And that, I think, more than anything, is going to be what potentially holds them back. I think that leads to the other conversation I feel like we have to have with the Jets right now, which is where are we at with Adam Gase? Because this is a guy who's going to be coming back Well, clearly it doesn't matter. 
Well, obviously, no, but I mean, we might as well talk about it because they've won two straight games. Sam Darnold has looked good he has looked in those very two good. games. And he's granted, very good. Giants and Redskins, it's not, you know, those, those teams are not going anywhere. But you look at the Giants game, 19 of 30, 230, a touchdown, no picks, played a turnover-free game for the first time in what feels like forever. Played against Washington, again, 19 of 30, 293 this time, four TDs, threw a bad pick. But other than that, he basically played a perfect game. Um you know, do we think that Sam Darnold is really turning a corner here? Because mm-hmm. he showed us this late last year, too, and then he came in this year and it looked like he had regressed. Do you think that this time is going to be different where he actually improves and is able to maintain it for at least the rest of this season? Yeah, I mean, look at what Sam's had to go through and, and Gase as sure. well. I mean, last year he gets injured in the middle of the season, misses a lot of time, comes back, looks great. Sam this year looked okay in the first game even though he had mono and then misses a large chunk of the season with mono comes back is having to deal with all these injuries and a battered offensive line as well and then looks good over the past couple of weeks now that he's had a few weeks under his belt I think that when you have so much uh so so much kind of like breaks in in when you're playing it's kind of difficult to get that rhythm so I believe in Sam Darnold I think he's a talented quarterback I thought he was the best quarterback in the draft last year when they drafted him or two years ago excuse me but I think I believe in I believe in Sam. For Gase, we saw so many weeks where he had nobody on offense. And now there have been, you know, some questions about the play calling recently. I still believe in him as an offensive mind. I believe in his ability to to develop Sam. I I think that he's terrified of the offensive line. And I think I think that that's been a a a, a, a to a degree what also caused Sam to struggle in the first couple of weeks after he came back cuz there is Absolutely no time to throw behind that line. In terms of Adam Gase, I was never completely sold on Adam Gase as the coach of the Jets from literally the day they hired him. But I think Devin's exactly right. The offensive line on this team is a lie. To say liability is not putting it correctly. This offensive line is terrible, and it's hard to call plays behind behind the offensive line where you know your quarterback's not going to get more than two seconds every single time he drops back. So, in terms of Darnold. We've seen a lot over the last two weeks that point to good signs. We saw a lot at the end of last year, as you mentioned, Jimmy, that point to good signs. There's no reason to give up on him at this point. And, no, no, no. I'm saying that, yeah. And honestly, I think that as much as I'm not sold on Adam Gase as the coach of the Jets, him coming back for a second season will only be beneficial for mm-hmm. Darnold because you don't want him, for him to be entering his third season, learning his third playbook with his 8,000th offensive line and his third set of receivers. That's not really what you want, so maybe it's just consistency. Well, I mean, if that happens, I mean, I'll point you to Marcus Mariota, right? This is a guy who in Tennessee right. has had a yep. different playbook every single year, and every year he almost looks worse and worse. Yeah, he, He's been grossly mishandled, yeah. I think. He has, and and I think Mariota could be a guy like Alex Smith where he goes somewhere else with stability, with a good culture, and it's like, hey, this guy's pretty good. Um, but you're right about Sam Darnold. You don't want that disruption of continuity. The problem is I'm still just not sold on Gase, and I think the thing is, too, everybody talks about, oh, the injuries, you know, whether it's the offensive line or Darnold going down with Mono or Trevor Simeon going down with ACL. Look, everybody's got injuries, right? Yeah. Carolina Panthers have Cam Newton out for the season. They might make the playoffs, mm-hmm. and, and they're, they've they been better without him. Um, that That's obviously a symptom of Cam Newton being hurt and not being 100%, but there are other teams that have made it work with backup QBs, right? The Colts are playing with a backup QB right now, and Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett might go to the playoffs. Uh, the Jaguars stayed afloat with Gardner Minshew. So, look, it can be done. It can happen. And and I don't want to use that excuse with Adam Gase because I just don't know how legitimate it is. And granted, the offensive line is probably the most important position yeah, there sure. with all the injuries. And I just don't – I still think there's ways to plan around it. And every team in this league has injuries, and I just – I'm very hesitant to use mm-hmm. that excuse. And and listen, you're you're 100% right when you look at those other teams, but when you look at those other teams, the depth on those teams is also a lot different. Jacoby Brissett, despite not being a great quarterback, is probably one of the best, if not the best, backup quarterbacks in football. I mean, that's a great option to have. When Sam Darnold had mono, they went to Trevor Simeon for two plays before he got hurt, and then Luke Falk, who's now out of the NFL. I mean, those are not ideal backups to turn to. The, for the offensive line, I mean... Khalil probably should not have even come back this season. He's been that bad. Osemele did nothing the whole year and apparently was injured the entire year. And then the guys behind them have been horrendous as well. I When we came into this season, the Jets looked pretty good on paper from a, a starting lineup perspective. But after that, it's been absolutely a dumpster fire behind those guys. And when you have no depth, I think that that is kind of where the difference comes in. And the offensive, we could talk about injuries and all this other stuff. An offensive line is so important. You look at a team like the Colts where, yeah, we 
Jacoby Brissett isn't great, but their offensive line is good, and it's good enough to get them running backs to 100 yards every game, and Jacoby Brissett enough time to get some rushing yards every game. This offensive line is awful. And that I understand that puts blame on somebody who's no longer in his office, Mike McCagden. Yeah. I, I understand that, and me saying that the offensive line is bad isn't actually changing anything. I get that. They're really freaking bad. And it's not helping Darnold. It's not helping Bell. It's not helping either one of them. Le'Veon Bell hasn't looked like a Pittsburgh Steeler because the Pittsburgh Steeler offensive lines were really good when he was there. Yeah. Really, really, really good. And this offensive line is awful. So this offseason, priority number one needs to be offensive linemen. Number one, nothing else. Quarterbacks are important, yes. Wide receivers are important, yes. Sam Darnold needs to be protected like a franchise quarterback because he is. Uh, and I think everybody's on board with that. I think that's Joe Douglas's main focus going into next offseason as, as well. It and as it should be. And I think I kind of have faith in Joe Douglas. I've heard nothing but good things from him, and I like everything that he's done so far. For This is what I'll say about Adam Gase. I supported the hire when it happened, which I was think I think I was in the minority. And I still do believe in his football acumen. I still do believe in his offensive ability. And I believe in his track record in terms of every quarterback that he's worked with, he has gotten their best seasons out of them. Now, for, for Sam, I believe in his ability to get his best out of him moving forward. However, at the head coaching position, when you look at guys like Frank Reich, it's the other things that separate them. Guy like John Harbaugh, like Bill Belichick, their ability to take a team and get more than the sum of their parts out of them, right? To make them better than they are on paper. Adam Gase, I don't know how good he is as a leader of men. That, to me, is the biggest question about Adam Gase. It's not the football knowledge. It's not the play calling. It's not his ability to develop them. It's can he make this team better than what they are on paper? And that I'm still not sold on. Yeah, um, I think that's the problem. And that's also happen- what happens when you have the coach and the GM both reporting to the owner. But I'll leave that at that. All right, we'll pick this week's game quickly before we go to another fantasy hit with Nick. We'll go around the table here. Jets, Raiders, who wins and why? The Raiders are going to win because they are a better football team who is in a playoff race, who has everything to play for, who their coach is out for something to prove after we all ridiculed him for bad trades last season, and he's shutting us up now. He'll keep shutting us up. Raiders win. I'm going to go with the Jets in a close one. I think that these two teams, I think on paper right now with the injuries the Jets have faced, the Raiders are the better team. But I think that the defense has been playing pretty well for the Jets, and I think that that can keep the Raiders from from pulling out this one. I'm going to go with the Raiders in a close one. I think a couple of plays will decide this game. And by the way, I have a crazy proposition for you. Mm. Give it to me. John Gruden, Coach of the Year. It's not crazy. No, it's, it's not crazy wild. at all. It sounds not, crazy, though, sa- just to say it, it out loud. It sounds crazy to say that sentence in 2019. I'll agree with you. But having watched the NFL for the last 11 and a half weeks, I will say that is not crazy. I feel like he has to be in the discussion. But anyway, that's a big game for both teams. Um, for the Jets, more than anything, just to kind of prove it to themselves, to the Raiders, obviously, in a playoff race. We're going to talk some Giants coming up next. But first, let's find out who to sit in fantasy this week with Nick DeLuca. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Couple of people to sit. Let's start with Jared Goff, quarterback of the Rams against the Baltimore Ravens. He's been a shell of himself this year. 12 touchdown passes and 17 turnovers coming off a single-digit outing against the Bears. Meeting with the Ravens makes him a big-time sit candidate. The Birds' defense has allowed an average of just just under 14 fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this year. Jared Goff, no chance. Don't put him, don't start him. Sony Michelle versus the Dallas Cowboys. Rex Burkhead still in the fold with the Patriots in the backfield. Going to be tough for Michelle to accumulate points. He's averaging fewer than seven points in games when Burkhead is active. Despite a favorable matchup against the Cowboys, Michelle, Michelle can't be trusted as a starter. Sit Sony Michelle. Sit of the week for wide receivers. Terry McLaurin versus the Detroit Lions. McLaurin continues to struggle with rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins at quarterback, averaging just 8.6 fantasy points. This week's matchup against Lions cornerback Darius Slay makes it pretty tough to see him faring well. Sit Terry McLaurin. All right, thank you for that, Nick. As an impulse buy, I think I'm going to go get myself a Rex Burkhead right now. Um, <laughs> Got to just decide who to drop, but we got to talk some Giants. They I'm are starting James White. Is that bad, Nick? <laughs> James White. No, is it's starting. not because he. Yeah. Your mic's off. No, no, it's not I don't, bad. No, right. I don't Thank think you. so. You well, in, you're the yeah. fantasy expert. I well, you're in, P, you're in PPR, right? Well, it's it's yeah PPR. Yeah, he's fine. All right, yeah, cool. I mean, he'll get the receptions. It's just difficult to to see the way that the Patriots are going to deploy the running backs. Yeah, you, you never really know because Belichick decides that you know 
I'll use this guy one week and this guy the other week and then whatever. Josh McDaniels, I'm sure, has something to say about that too. But I think I'm going to go pick up Jonas Gray. That, that's what I'm saying, right? A guy who, who in the Patriots history ran for, what was it, over 200 yards and was like four, four touchdowns. touchdowns yeah. And the guy was off on the street three weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. So don't ask me about Patriots running backs. You can't uh, you're be trusted. the expert. Can't be trusted. Patriots anything. You just exactly. plug in another guy no. and he does the same stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Anyway, we got into, we got to get into another terrible football team, and that is the New York football Giants, and we'll talk about them right now. Back to the basics for the New York Giants. They've made no major changes to the team or management during the bye week, and instead have chosen to focus on taking the positive elements of their game and working towards playing more consistently. Consistent seems to be the organization's buzzword right now, with Coach Pat Shermer, Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones all using it to describe Big Blue's efforts to improve. And in terms of Barkley's dismal one-yard performance against the Jets two weeks ago, he's just focused on getting back to playing the game his way, I'm worried about going back and playing how I know how to play, how I've been playing my whole life since a little kid. Um, that's a message that my dad had uh, told me since I was a little kid when people try to change my running style in high school and middle school and so on and so on. Um, so I'm just going to go out there and just have fun. And that's the biggest thing, have fun, be a little kid, um, and just try to ball out with my, with my brothers. And the break wasn't just mentally beneficial for Barkley. It was a crucial week for the team's injured players. Sterling Shepard, I can finally say, has cleared the concussion protocol. He's been out since week five, and as an important leader for the team, the veterans' return should bring some more of the stability and consistency that everyone is looking for. And though tight ends Rhett Ellison and Evan Ingram are out, Nate Solder and Janoris Jenkins have been cleared to play. But even with the rest and time off, the Giants won't have an easy time of it as they head to Chicago to take on Mitchell Trubisky's four and six Bears. Despite being pulled with a hip injury last week and replaced by Chase Daniel, Trubisky will start against the G-men, but has been struggling lately. However, the Giants and Coach Shermer are not discounting the former number two draft pick. You know, unfortunately, he's had some injuries, Trubisky, and he's a tough, he's a tough son of a gun that's battling back from it, and he's, he's played good football. Regardless of who the Giants have played this season, they've had a hard time, and I don't expect anything different this Sunday, what with the minimal changes over the bye week. So I've got the Bears winning at home, 21-17. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. Giants coming in at 2-8 and eight off of what was for them a much-needed bye week. Um, they came into that, as we said, at 2-8. and eight. They did not play last week. Before that, they lost to the Jets. Um, don't know how much lower you can get from there. <laughs> they needed the bye week. They're playing the Chicago Bears this week, another team that's been vastly disappointing. Uh, at Soldier Field, 1 o'clock on Sunday, and this is a Giants team where we talked about the Jets and talk about them all they want. I feel like the Giants almost have more questions to answer. They drafted Daniel Jones last year. He's been, eh, he's been okay. Um, they've got plenty of questions throughout their roster. They're just a bad team. Um, Pat Shermer, I think, is going to get the axe after oh, the I season. I think absolutely he's going to yeah, get the axe. Um, they haven't given him the old vote of confidence that Christopher Johnson gave Adam Gase, so he's probably on his way out the door. Um, I think the MO is going to have to be to hire somebody offensively inclined to pair with Daniel Jones and find out if he's the guy with a better system and you know a better coach because I, I think Pat Shermer is not it for him. Um, and this is a Giants team that I would almost say for as bad as the Jets have been and as, mishand as bad as they've mishandled a lot of things this year, I would almost say the Giants are in more of a state of flux right now just because of the questions around the roster and also the fact that this team has not won a game since September. Yeah, they, they, they haven't won in forever. And I think Pat Shermer is absolutely going to get the ax. Uh, I don't really think there's any question about it at this point. And my main question with the Giants, it's not about Daniel Jones because, as you said, he's looked good. He's looked he's looked like a rookie quarterback sometimes. He's yeah. looked good at sometimes. He threw for over 400 yards against the Lions. That's pretty good. My question is about Saquon Barkley because he's clearly not healthy right now. Yeah, he rushed for one yard against the Jets. Uh, that's hard to do. That's hard to do. I know, and I know, statistically speaking, the Jets have a great rushing defense. Fine, it's uh, the Jets. You got he's the best running back in football. Clearly, he's not healthy. I think it's only a matter of time till you see him on the bench for a whole game, a whole two games. Maybe I don't know about the rest of the season. There are six games left. I I think that there's going to be some point where you have to sit Saquon Barkley because he's clearly not healthy right now, and he's not hurting the team because he's a great player, but. 
he's not he's certainly not helping as much as he was last year. And even more than the fact that it's the Jets, I mean, it's Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, the guy it. is one of the best running backs that we've ever seen at the position. I mean, he's absolutely unreal. He does everything the right way. He, he on the field and off the field. Obviously, he's a guy that's going to fight to play. He doesn't. He, absolutely, he no, I'm, back, not, I'm not blaming no, 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 Saquon. Absolutely, at all. no, no. no right, I'm not saying you are right. Saquon just wants to play football. Right. I don't blame him at all. But he's clearly not healthy, and he needs to sit down because but, he's going to injure himself more at some point. A hundred percent. And when you think about why Dave Gettleman said he drafted him over all those, you know, really good quarterbacks or who we thought were really good quarterbacks a couple of years ago. He said he saw a future gold jacket guy, right? He saw a Hall of Famer. And when you consider the running back position, which already drafting a running back in the first round isn't the most valuable thing in itself, and the the amount of time that running backs tend to have in the NFL. But, you know, in a few years, Saquon Barkley might not even be there anymore. Think about David Johnson from Arizona. 100%. David Johnson. They're different players. Running but. backs have such a short shelf life in this league. Why are you throwing him out there when you're 2-8 and eight, and when he has a high ankle sprain, he came back after two weeks from a high ankle sprain. That's unheard of. I think that they're really mishandling this situation. If I'm the Giants, I'm saying, this guy is our best player. He's who we envision to be our best player on a Super Bowl champion. We have to do what we can to protect him, and right now they're not. And let's keep in mind, too, with Daniel Jones, right? For the future, if you're serious about building around Daniel Jones, got to get a better offensive line, yeah. but also you need Saquon Barkley coming out of the backfield, catching passes, mm-hmm. being almost an every-down back. Absolutely. Uh, kind of like what you would envision Le'Veon Bell would have been with the Jets. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I-, I would just sit him right now. I would just I say, would hey, too. you're done. I mean, I would too. granted, there are certain provisions in the CPA and, and, and now, all that and, crap. Look, I'm but, not saying that if you sit him against the Bears that he has to be out for the rest of the season. If you sit him against the Bears, he gets medically cleared for the game against you know the Eagles Week 17. Play him against the Eagles, fine. But he can't play today because he is clearly injured, and he's the future of this team. The Giants, like the Jets, they're not going to the playoffs. They're not winning the Super Bowl. There's nothing to play for yeah. against the Bears except for pride. So put him down, and let's wait till next season because you're only going to injure him more. I think it comes down to this. When, when you're coming back, uh, when a player is coming back early from an injury— Typically, it's to provide that extra push for a team that's trying to get into the playoffs or trying to win a playoff game, something like that. This team isn't playing for anything right now. No, you not know? At all. And, and to have him come back so early from a high ankle sprain, a very serious injury, especially for a running back, to have him come back so early and so quickly, it just it, the risk isn't worth the reward there. What's the reward? He has a good game, and maybe you're three and eight next week instead of instead of two and nine. It, it's just not a big. It's not a not enough of a reward for that risk. To me, just make sure that he's healthy before you bring him back, which right now he's not. Our producer Brianna Leverty just reminded me of what Saquon said. Was it today or was it yesterday? I honestly don't remember. It was just this week. He said that he's not sitting. He's gonna play if he can help it, and they're going. To, they'll, they'll probably have to like get more than a couple of guys if they mm-hmm. want to take him off the field. No, which, I, and, I and I get that. that I understand but that completely. It's not he's, prudent. He's an he's I'm a saying. professional athlete. He's one. Of, they're the most competitive people out there, and he's gonna want to play. I completely understand that. It's not his fault. He just shouldn't be playing for his own health at this point. And the Giants have the most should have the most say in that, and that should be coming straight from the top, whether it's Mara or Gettleman, and clearly Shermer has no idea that he's hurt because he has one <laughs> one rushing yard against the Jets and all of a sudden he's going to play against the Bears two weeks later. Sure, why not? What he the, took the what? bye week. Well, I mean, I guess also, but Shermer's week. also coaching for his job. And Devin that's and I true. saw this, if we're going across sports here, Mickey Calloway managed the last week or two of that Mets season kind of breakneck to win every game he could because you can justify 86 Didn't matter, though, he got fired. more than you could justify 82 and 80, right? Yep. Pat Shermer's going to try to win a few games here down the stretch to try to keep his job. Will it work? Will it not? Remains to be seen. But he's going to try to get this team on a run here because, again, it's easier to justify 6-10, and 10, especially after trading Odell Beckham, than it is to justify 3-13 and 13 or 4-12. and 12. And the other thing is, that's not, I think, an only Pat Shermer thing as no, well. No, and we saw it with the Mets, too. The players sometimes, especially when they like their coach or their manager, the players feel that pressure, too, like yeah. they're playing for them. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Saquon Barkley feels like, I have to do what I can to help my guy save his job as well. And that, that and that's I think true. that that's, that's a true. part of what plays into that. Yeah, and, and by the way, the last time the Giants won a game, we were watching the last Mets game of the season against the Braves, which is neither here nor there. And they were 2-2 two and <laughs> yeah. two then, and, and now they're 2-8. Funny how that happens. Um, let's look at this game against Chicago. The Bears are so disappointing. I think the Bears are the most disappointing team in the league, personally. Um, no question. I, I don't want to say I saw it coming. I didn't have them in the playoffs, um, and this is kind of why Trubisky is terrible. 
Um, their offense is not very good. Jordan Howard, believe it or not, was actually a pretty big loss for this offense. Their defense is good, but it can only do so much. And this is a team at 4-6, and six, needs to start winning some games. Bears lose this week. They're out of the discussion. They're probably out of the playoffs uh, for good, uh, which I think they probably will be anyway. But how do we see this game shaking mm-hmm. out? Giants have a chance this week coming off a bye, trying to get a little bit more healthy to spring an upset and get their third win of the season. Well, it's in Chicago, so I feel like that leans towards Chicago. And as we mentioned, the Bears, they still have a chance. They're in a tough division with the Vikings and the Packers, but they still have a chance. And the Giants pretty much don't have a chance. With a clearly injured Saquon Barkley, Mitch Trubisky stinks. So I think actually the Giants have the quarterback advantage in this game. Yes, But the... The Bears defense, I think, is just going to be too good, and they're playing for too much. And honestly, they're playing for their coach's job, too. I'll go with the Bears, but not not by much. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a tough, tough game for me to pick. It is in Chicago, which is obviously going to help them. I don't think... I don't think Matt Nagy is that bad of a coach or that bad of a play caller. I think he's just terrified of Mitch Trubisky. He's been so bad recently. How could you not be? <laughs> How could you not be? 100%. Tariq Cohen hasn't been good either. We, we put a yeah, lot of this blame on him. Tariq Cohen has not been good. I, I thought David Montgomery was going to be really good coming in, coming into the league. Uh, he has been just kind of fine. The, the whole offense as a whole has been stagnant, and the defense hasn't been as good as it was last year. I think that this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people think. I think Daniel Jones is going to be able to put up some points against this team. I'm going to take the Bears in a close one. Um, I wanted to pick the Giants this week. Really? I didn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. I'm going 17-10 Bears. Trubisky plays and doesn't screw it up enough for them to lose uh, this one, which is really what it comes down to. And We saw the conversation on the sideline, but Mitch Trubisky goes into uh, Sunday's game. No injury designation. So... Okay. Whether or not the hip was bothering him, we'll probably never know. But is uh, Chase Daniel enough of a game manager for the Bear, for him to win the Bears a couple games here down the stretch? Yeah, probably. I he mean, pro- he, I played, he, he played against so. uh, he played on Thanksgiving last year against the Lions and beat him. Yeah, it's true, yeah. he did. And uh, I had no reason why he can't do the same against a team like the Giants. But anyway, we'll get into more picks next. The most fun part of the week. But first, we got to find out some fantasy sleepers from our man Nick DeLuca. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Well, get your bandanas out. How about Baker Mayfield versus the Miami Dolphins? Mayfield has recorded 17 or more points in three straight games. This matchup is perhaps better than the previous three. He gets the Dolphins defense that's given up 30 or rather 23 touchdowns, touchdown passes and an average of more than 21 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks this season. Baker Mayfield, he's a sleeper. Jimmy, I've got good news for you. Bo Scarborough, right? Let's go. Crowded background crowded backfield rather for the Detroit Lions but it was Bo Scarborough who led the team in snaps and touches he's a worthy add if you're in need of a running back this week Jimmy Bo Scarborough a sleeper finally Randall Randall Cobb wide receiver Dallas Cowboys Cobb would be higher on this list if the Cowboys schedule wasn't so difficult Patriots and Bills next week but he he's got a couple tough weeks Dak Prescott continues to carry Dallas's offense through the air. Amari Cooper not at 100%. This could force Cobb into more targets against the Patriots this week and going forward. Randall Cobb a sleeper as well. By the way, I just want to announce we have made it official. Rex Burkhead has been acquired in exchange <laughs> for dropping Carryon Johnson, who is on IR, and Jameis Winston. I'm going to go in with one quarterback this week, and then we're going to see what happens. Uh, my one quarterback, by the way, not to brag, Lamar Jackson. Dab. Congrats, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But first, before we finish our show, it's the most fun time of the week, week 12, and that means it's time for picks. This week's NFL picks. All right, so we will get started this week with Buccaneers at Falcons, battle of three and seven teams in Atlanta. Who do we have winning that game? Falcons looking for three in a row, by the way. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult one. Um Jimmy, that's a tough one, but I'm going to go with the Falcons because the defense is the the game changer for me. I believe in the offense, but the defense has been playing so well over the past two weeks. These two teams are terrible. Give me the home team and the hot team, Atlanta. Great teams. How about the 85 Bears? How about the post by Falcons? (laughs) I like the Falcons over the Bucks. (laughs) Playing to save Dan Quinn's job, by the way, and they're doing a good job of it so far. Give me three in a row, and the Atlanta Falcons, their defense playing well as you guys said uh let's move on to the next one nick this is very close to your heart broncos at bills at new era field in orchard park new york bills looking to beat a bad broncos team to try to uh, keep pace rather in this playoff discussion 
Yeah, I think that this is going to be a close game. I think that the Broncos have been pl playing much better over the past couple weeks with Brandon Allen, shockingly. But being that it's in Buffalo, I'm going to go Buffalo in a close one. I can't believe about the look you with the eyes. I picked the Buffalo Bills. Take the look. I'll pick the Bills. <laughs> Brandon Allen can't handle Bills Mafia. They're going to show up and show out. Give me the Bills over the Broncos. Guys, the table just broke as you said that. I like the Bills. <laughs> four for four. All right, Giants and Bears, we kind of talked about this one. Three of us both have Chicago, correct? Correct. All right, I have Chicago as yeah, well. Chicago. Nick, I want to get your pick on this. Uh, this one's a toss-up, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Bears. All right, let's go to Steelers-Bengals 5-5 five and five versus 0-10. Bengals the only winless team remaining in the NFL. I'll get your guys' thoughts on this because I have some opinions on this game. Let's go around the table, though. Steelers-Bengals, who wins? You know, very quietly, the Bengals have been playing a little bit better over the past couple weeks, and the Steelers don't have James Conner or their top two receivers. I'm still going to go with the Steelers just because of their defense, but I think that this is another game that could be pretty close. I was beyond tempted to pick the Bengals. Between we don't know, Juju's out, James Conner's out. I'm picking the Steelers because you really shouldn't pick a winless team and pick them, but very tempted to pick the Bengals. Now, the Bengals haven't – no, I'm picking the Steelers. What are, we, what are we talking about? The Steelers are being the Bengals. The Bengals are god off. You know what? What the do hell? It, do I'll it, go do with it. the Bengals. Let's go. I, I don't hate it. I think go it they're not going to go winless. I, I, you have to. I think that this is a very winnable game. Right, for them. Be the I mean, the Steelers have had a million distractions this week with the Miles Garrett thing. And granted, that wasn't necessarily. Joe Mixon has been playing a lot it. better lately. He has. By the way, they got their first rushing touchdown yep. of the season last week. <laughs> I'm still picking the Steelers. Stop but it. I respect that, Jimmy. I'm going with Cincinnati. All right. Here's another game between uh, a couple, uh, an average team and a bad team. Dolphins, Browns, two and eight versus four and six in Cleveland. I like the Browns to make it three in a row. Uh, I think it's three in a row. I got to check on that. But they've been playing better of late as well. Nick said it in his fantasy update. Baker Mayfield is a sleeper, and I like him to beat the Dolphins this week. Yeah, I think that is two bad teams. I don't think that the Browns are very good. I'm still going to go with the Browns, but again, this is another one that could be tight, especially with Garrett not playing. Uh, it is three in a row, just for the record, okay. Jimmy. And I'm going to make it four in a row just because the Dolphins are really that bad. I don't think the, I don't think the Browns are good at all. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They might not win a game for the rest of the season. Dolphins are that bad. I'll take the Browns. Freddie Kitchens has been doing some cooking. Give me the Browns <laughs> over the Dolphins. Hey, speaking of people trying to save his job, all right, round table, we've all got the Browns. I think we might all have the same team on this one. Panthers and Saints mm. from the Superdome. Kyle Allen looking to right the ship after the loss last week. Saints coming in at 8-2, looking like one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, the, other than that one blip against the Falcons, I think that the Saints are easily one of the best teams in the NFL, one of the most well-rounded. I think that they take this one pretty easily. Saints, easy. Panthers aren't a great team. The Saints are. Give me the Saints. All right, we've four for four again. I've got the Saints in that one. Table, we kind of talked about this. Raiders and Jets. Devin, you have the Jets. Uh, Chris, you Oakland. have the Raiders. I have the Raiders. So, Nick, let's get your input. Uh, give one. me Chucky, the Raiders. Give <laughs> him to me. Raiders over the Jets this oh, weekend. Man. Well, it's, it's about getting time for my favorite Christmas commercial, which is the Corona commercial with the palm trees. <laughs> and we're going to call the Corona hotline and get John Gruden or Tony Romo, and they're going to dial up a win for the Raiders in this one, which I can't believe that I'm about to say this. They're in the playoff discussion. All right, Lions at Redskins, two teams not a ton to play for. Matt Stafford, once again, doesn't look like he's going to suit up for the Lions this week, but the Redskins, they're really bad. And we saw that last week against the Jets. I, I picked the Redskins against the Jets last week. Not on this show, thankfully. But um, <laughs> the Redskins uh, would fall to 1-10 with a loss to the 3-6-1 Lions this week. How do we see this one shaking out? The Redskins are very bad. Driscoll didn't look so bad last week. I'm going to go with the Lions because I think that they're an okay team. Jeff Driscoll against Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I'll go with the Lions. Dwayne Haskins can't even get his offensive linemen to tell him how they can help him. <laughs> that was all one right. of the most alarming videos of all time. Yeah, <laughs> give me the. Give, I don't care who's starting at quarterback. Give me the Lions. Yeah, I got. I got to go with the Lions too, just just by default um, at this point. Um, that Stafford injury is concerning though. Jaguars at Titans in Tennessee. Titans have squeezed their way back into the playoff picture here. Ryan Tannehill has done a great job. I find this to be a very intriguing game. I'm gonna go with the upset here. I like the Jaguars. Nick Foles. I'm not sold on Ryan Tannehill in this Titans offense, although he has looked good, but I'm going to go with a slight upset here and take the Jaguars on the road. 
This is another intriguing game. You're, you're completely correct. I'm going to go Jaguars as well. I believe in St. Nick, and I think that the teams are pretty evenly matched, but the Jags have the better quarterback. Give me the Titans. Give me a little uh, a little mix-up in the AFC wildcard here. I'll, I'll take the Titans and get the 6-5. and five. Nick Foles is no longer in Philadelphia, and he doesn't have a mustache. Don't like the Jags this week. <laughs> Give me the Titans. Oh, man. Well, you know, Gardner Minshew has that whole like Uncle Rico thing going mm-hmm. on. So. <laughs> All right, uh, we got another one here, 425 Game of the Week, Cowboys and Patriots. Patriots won last week, certainly didn't feel like it with the postgame reaction, but they're at 9-1, and one, and they're one of the best teams in the league, despite what uh, some people might say about, oh, Tom Brady's done. I don't think he's done. I think the Patriots win this one easily. Yeah, so the Cowboys have been playing a lot better lately. It's in Foxborough, which makes me really want to pick the Patriots. But I think that the Cowboys might be the better team. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Cowboys, despite that great Patriots defense. I think that the Cowboys defense can hold the Pats offense. The Patriots haven't looked good for two straight games. They lost to the Ravens. They barely beat the Eagles. Bill Belichick doesn't doesn't stand for that. The Patriots are gonna romp in this game. I wanna pick both teams to lose in this game. Well, Unfortunately, me too, actually. Me too. I can't <laughs> do that, so I'm gonna have to pick someone. The Patriots are not a fifteen and one football team. Losses have to come from somewhere. I think Dallas gets them this week. By the way, Cowboys, number one in total offense in the NFL somehow versus the Patriots, number one defense. Packers and 49ers, another interesting note on this game. Aaron Rodgers facing a team 9-1 and one or better for the first time in his career. Wow. He has never done that before. The Niners come in at 9-1. and one. Aaron Rodgers going up against his hometown team, which, by the way, passed on him in the 2005 NFL draft. Still feeling the effects of that, I think. Game of the week could be one of the games of the year. I'm really excited for this one. Let's go around and see how it shakes out. I could not be more excited for this one, but my pick is easy. I think that the Packers are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. I think that they're one of the best teams in the NFL. I'm going to go Pack. Uh, give me the Niners, but if the Packers lose, I'm not so sure about the Niners, and that 8-0 start's going to look a little fraudulent, but I'm going to stick with the Niners. Hey, Rodgers, discount double check. Let's go Packers. Little faulty on the foundation for that 8-0 start for the Niners. I like the quarterback. I like Aaron Rodgers over Jimmy Garoppolo. Give me the Pack to win on Sunday Night Football. Uh, I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC right now. I'll take the Packers. Finally, Monday Night Football. Good one. Excuse me. We actually uh, we skipped one. I beg your pardon. Seattle, on this right? One. We skipped Seattle and Philly. Goodness me, how did that happen? Anyway, that's a 1 o'clock game on Saturday. We're all over the place here. Interesting game, though, 8-2 and two versus 5-5. Five and five. The Eagles have been an emotional roller coaster. I don't expect that to change. I'm going with the upset here. I think they're going to beat the Seahawks coming out east for a 1 o'clock game. I think that it's going to be Seattle. Russell Wilson's the NFL MVP. Yeah. You said the Packers are the best team in the NFC. The Seahawks are the best team in the NFC. In my book, give me the Seattle. Pete Carroll's going to have his guys rolling. I like the Hawks as well. All right, and then finally, we're back in order now. Monday Night Football, Ravens taking on the Los Angeles Rams. Rams had an ugly game on Sunday night against the Bears last week, but they got the win. Ravens have looked amazing. Um, I'm going to take an upset here as well. I like the Rams. I think they found something with Todd Gurley last week. They kind of ran him and ran him, and they were on this whole load management stuff with him before that, but now they're back to using him the way that they shouldn't. I think they're going to get a slightly surprising win at home on Monday night. The Rams have very, very quietly and shockingly had one of the worst offensive lines in football this year. Goff has played terribly, and I don't think that's going to change against one of the hottest teams in the league. I'm going to take the Ravens. Got to go with the Ravens. Sean McVay's a wonder boy, but uh, the Ravens are playing really well right now. The offensive line, as Devin said, is banged up. I like the Ravens. All right, so I sprung a couple upsets on you late in that Pick'em segment. Guys, great show as always, and we will see you back here next week. After Thanksgiving, we'll have three games to discuss, and we'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening.